In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So last Sunday, we heard one of the clearest and most important statements in all the New Testament, which was, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No death sentence, no final judgment that is going to send you, Christian, to eternal damnation, no condemnation that will separate you from God's love, because Jesus has rescued you, he has given you his righteousness, so you are saved. So in continuing in Romans 8, the Apostle Paul begins to spell out what this means for who we are now. We know that in the future, there will be no death sentence for us. So what is our life now? What's the goal of our life? What's the purpose of our life now? And what St. Paul will tell us is that because we have been adopted by God as his children and promised his inheritance today, we live in hope and not in fear. And thus the Christian life is learning to walk in this hope and not walking in fear. In many ways, our life as a Christian is like being a kid in the backseat of a car on a long road trip on vacation. I don't know if your kids were like this or if they asked this question, but I know it's a question we've heard our fair share of, which is, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Because as a child, you don't have a grown-up sense of time. So the drive to the beach on vacation takes 10 hours, but as a kid, well, what does 10 hours mean? And so after 45 minutes of your 10-hour journey, the child begins to ask, are we there yet? How much longer? And as frustrating as that is, the parents who are driving, kids ask this for two reasons, of course. First, out of anticipation, right? We want to be where we are going. We want to be at the beach or wherever we're going. Let's get there. It's going to be great. We're going to have fun. Are we there yet? And the other reason the question gets asked is because the car is uncomfortable. You need to stretch your legs. Driving on the interstate for hours on end is boring. It's not all that fun. So are we there yet so we can get out of this car? The Christian throughout his or her life is going to ask that same basic question over and over, are we there yet? And St. Paul puts it like this. He says, as Christians, we are heirs. We have an inheritance waiting for us, but our inheritance doesn't come fully to us until the life to come. And so we have the promise of this great inheritance. We have the final will and testament that is written in which we are heirs. We've even been given a pledge of this inheritance through God's word of promise that our sins are forgiven and through the Holy Spirit's presence in our lives. We know that there is a great inheritance waiting for us, but it's not yet fully available to us. The other illustration that Paul uses here in this chapter is that of childbirth. The world and its struggles, he says, are in labor pains. The labor pains, however, are not without purpose. They may feel like they last forever. They may feel like something you truly have to endure, but on the other side of the pain comes the joy of new birth and new life. This means that the Christian life, the life of faith, does not deny the present struggles that we're in. We still face the struggles of a world cursed by sin. Like a child in the backseat of the car, we are uncomfortable in this world. As Christians, we're going to be uncomfortable. Our bodies are going to fail us. 
we will age, we will get sick, we will have accidents, our hearts and spirits will fail us, we will continue to sin in this world, we will end up harming ourselves and others with our sins. We see that there is suffering in us, there's suffering all around us, and all of that is very much real. But Paul says once we receive the full inheritance, all of those things are over. These are the labor pains that precede the new birth. <clears throat> this is the struggle of creation subjected to the curse of sin before it's redeemed and made new. And so as St. Paul writes, so hopefully, the glory about to be revealed to us doesn't compare to the present sufferings. Our future in the Lord is greater than we can imagine. It's greater than our dreams because it's an inheritance which has no comparison. It's an inheritance that's far greater than money, land, titles, power. It's an inheritance of being perfect in God's presence. It's greater than we can understand in these mortal bodies. But what Paul wants to show us is that although we don't currently have the full inheritance bestowed to us, and although the day is coming when we will, we still currently share all things with Christ. We're not abandoned in these sufferings on our own. He says, look, you are adopted by God. That's what happened at your baptism. He put his name on you with all of that entails. And so just as an adopted child is given the same name as the parents and given the same legal status as a biological child, so we have been adopted by God. And we have been given the status as his children, which means that as baptized Christians, Christ has become our brother. As humans, we share a status with Christ as children of God, and so God shares all things with us through Christ. This means that in this life, Christ is sharing all with you. So St. Paul says, when we suffer in this life, we are co-sufferers with Christ. That is to say that God reveals himself to us in our suffering. Through the things that seem most far away from God, through the calamity, through persecution, through pain, illness, suffering, Christ becomes most real to us by faith. Because it's in these sufferings that the cross of Christ takes on its true power for us. We know that we do not suffer alone. Christ has suffered for us. He has suffered with us. He knows our suffering. And most importantly, Christ has taken the eternal pain of our suffering away from us. We do not suffer without hope. Instead, as Paul says, we suffer hopefully. This means that God will often use our suffering to make our faith real, so that we learn to trust in his word, to trust in his promises, and to hope for the greater glory to come. And this gets to the heart of it. If we lived in our current mortal bodies in this sinful world with the full inheritance of the glory to come, we would misunderstand it. We would put our hope in all the wrong places. We would put our hope in the comforts of this world and not in the work of Christ. We would be tempted to believe that all things were going great for us because we're such wonderful people and not because God is our gracious Father. We're always tempted to believe in a false gospel of prosperity. That's especially true if you ever turn on television preachers now and then, you'll see this false gospel of prosperity. 
For example, in his book, Your Best Life Now, Joel Osteen, television preacher, writes to Christians, you will often receive preferential treatment simply because your father is the king of kings and his glory and honor will spill over onto you. Well, that's nonsense. You can read the Bible and you can read the books of Acts and you can see St. Paul himself was beaten, arrested, run out of town, shipwrecked. And so St. Paul is redirecting us from the prosperity of this world to holding on to a future hope. So what Paul says is that God is going to glorify us when we suffer with Christ. We begin to see the true things of God when we look at the suffering of Christ and the cross and say, here is where the gospel is shown to me. God is going to show the reality. He shows us who we really are and who he really is in our current sufferings. And he does this especially by making us a people of hope. The life of faith is the life of hope. In suffering, for instance, God shows us to pray to him as his true children. As ones adopted by God, we get to cry out to him, Abba, Father. We get to cry to him intimately and authentically as our true loving father. We cry to him as our dear father who's going to hear our every word and who knows our every concern. We are his children, and so he is going to listen to us. And he doesn't listen to us as one that's far outside of it. He listens to as one who, through his son, has suffered with us. And that's something our heart doesn't really learn in this life, except when we become co-sufferers with Christ. And many of you know that this is true. In the moments that you have really suffered, you have prayed your realest prayers. In your grief, you turned to God because you knew there were no answers to be found in this world. In your pain, in your anxieties, in your panic, in your anger, in the times when there was nothing to hold on to but God's love and God's promises, that's when your heart truly cried out to your loving Father. And this is where the life of faith is formed. When we can learn to pray, God, are we there yet? then we're beginning to learn to pray as children of God because we learn the value of eternity. In that moment, we are learning that God has a great inheritance for us, and so we learn to hope. And we learn to hope not because we have seen it, but because by God's word, it has been promised to us. And that is what life in Christ is truly all about. It is that moment where we learn not to trust in ourselves, trust in our own hearts, trust in the promises of this world, but finally and ultimately to trust in God's word to us. And God wants you to live your life not in fear, but in hope. In hope as children of God, in hope as fellow heirs with Christ. Because there is a day coming when decay, when pain, when suffering, when all the nastiness of this world is going to be eliminated. It's going to be thrown into the fires. And God wants us to hope for this day. He wants us to know that his promises are true because once we do that, we learn what it means to be his child. And it means that you can live your life in hope and not in fear. Because whatever happens in your life, whatever happens to your body, whatever happens in the circumstances of this life, God says you have a great inheritance as his child. 
He has a glory for you in the life to come that you will share with Christ. And so no matter what the circumstances are now in your life, you have been adopted by God, and your baptism is the pledge of it. And no matter the trials you face, no matter how much the decay of this world is weighing on you right now, no matter how much sin rages in and around you, you are God's child. And as St. Paul tells us, the present troubles you now face will not compare to the glory about to be revealed to you. You are a child of God. You are a child of hope. Amen.